Let's Talk Native is produced at the Eltian Studios on the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for Native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. We may step on a few toes through our examination of culture, art, politics, history, and identity. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. And welcome to Let's Talk Native. Look, um, I've gotten um, a ton of calls and text messages, uh, posts on Facebook and in various places. Um, I have gotten messages a number of ways. And, and, and again, people who know me, people who don't know me. And, you know, some of them are just asking, what's happening in Cayuga? And some are saying, well, what's the latest update? And look, I, I don't want to uh, pretend to be the authority on all things Cayuga, but I, I guess I have to weigh in on what's, what's happening out there. And at, at its core, the problem with what's happening in, in Cayuga territory, um, the homelands that is, is the mess that federal recognition, in fact, I call it FedRec, F-E-D-W-R-E-C-K. I've always called it that. It, it, is, um, it is a problem. It is a problem because of what it is and what it does. One of the things I gotta say is that the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the federal government has attempted to destroy, um, I mean, look, we, we talk about how much they wanna destroy us as, as a people, but they certainly wanna destroy quote unquote traditional government. In fact, the IRA, the Indian Reorganization Act of 1934, one of its primary goals was to transform Native people into constitutional governments, governments that looked and acted and structured uh, and were structured the way, in much the same way that the federal government or state governments are, are, are constituted. It was really meant to undermine who we are as far as our distinction, our history, because again, if you could sever that continuity of traditional governance that existed for thousands of years, you can essentially wipe out not just history, but you can wipe out certain claims by those, by people who are no longer are those people they once were. So that's what the Indian Reorganization Act was, was a part of. It also defined, it redefined what a native person was. As a, and in fact, what the federal government called an Indian uh, was a, a tribe band or nation of Indians subordinate to the laws of the United States. Now, we never agreed to that. I mean, we never said, okay, that's what we are now, but that's the way we were cast. And in fact, what would become this federal recognition process is something that, that most native territories never participated in. We didn't ask to become federally recognized as Mohawks or Senecas. Now, the fact that the federal government had to recognize us because of our distinction, because of the lands that we occupied, and because of that history was somewhat of a foregone conclusion. But the fact that they reshaped what they considered or, or how they considered us by calling us a tribe, band, or nation of Indians, of Indians subordinate to them, 
That's something that, that we never signed up for. However, if, if for, for some reason you lost um, that clear recognition from the federal government as a nation or, or what your governance system was um, or who your leadership was, and then you had to participate in that process, what I call the BIA beauty contest, if you have to lobby the Bureau of Indian Affairs to recognize who you are, because they, for whatever reason, they, they seem to have moved away from that, that becomes problematic because now you're saying, oh yeah, I want you to recognize me under your terms as a, as a tribe, band, or nation of Indians supported the laws of the United States. And, and that is, that's a problem. Especially since when it comes to so-called traditional government, the position that the Bureau of Indian Affairs takes is, well, we're not going to tell you how your government works then. In fact, you know, whatever your leadership is, you tell us what your system you know, produces and, and we're not going to interfere in your process. Now, I'm not saying they, they would interfere in, a, in an elected process, but it's something that they, 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 they would prefer to be able to evaluate. I mean, nobody goes through, I mean, I live here on the Cattaraugus Territory of Seneca Nation. There's not a, a process every two years to, to vie for the, the incoming president of the Seneca Nation to be federally recognized. The, the federal government just acknowledges that they have a system. Now, I'm not boasting up the, any elective system, not, not the Senecas or anybody else's. But the unfortunate part is those of us who claim to be Haudenosaunee, we don't have... And I'm going to say it, and I know it pisses people off when I say it. We don't have a functioning model for the Guyana Rogoa, or what people call the great law. It doesn't, I mean, it's not functioning anywhere. You know, there's some that will argue that it, that it exists in pockets of, of communities, I guess. Or, or that, uh, like Gunyange used to, used to boast that, that they operate completely under the law of the, uh, or under the process of Guyana Rogoa. I'm not saying whether they do or they don't. But I will say that the three that, that claim to be the bastions of traditional government, Tuscarora, Tonawanda, uh, and Onondaga, aren't. And those that are recognized as traditional government, like Oneida, certainly is. And I'm talking about Oneida, New York now. Or Cayuga. Because the, the Bureau of Affairs doesn't care. They don't care what the, what the traditional system is. They're just saying, we recognize this leader for Tuscarora, we recognize this leader for Onondaga, we, re we recognize this leader uh, or, or these leaders for, for Tonawanda, and we recognize this leader for Oneida and this leader for Cayuga. Now, that means that they, they grant them federal authority as the leaders of, of, of these nations without really any checks and balances. No, it's not up to the Bureau of Indian Affairs to determine checks and balances. So... You literally have in this Fed Rec system a, a process by which the federal government says, okay, we recognize this leader and we don't recognize necessarily a government. They'll say, okay, we understand that this leader is, is produced out of a quote-unquote traditional government without any idea what that is. I mean, after hundreds or, of years of interaction with the, with the federal, federal government, they're going to pretend they don't know what Guyana Nagoya is. And, and look, and it's not up to the Bureau of Indian Affairs to determine whether we are actually following that process. And, and I get that. But the fact is that they bestow this authority on those people who win their beauty contest. 
and or or that have been, you know, the the or or who are those leaders that are the product of of something that they maybe have had hands off on. I mean, and and one of the the sad parts is there became this almost this unholy relationship between the Bureau of Indian Affairs and Onondaga as the so-called seat of the Confederacy, where they have allowed the so-called Grand Council, but we all know that it's really been primarily Onondaga, to validate who are the traditional leaders of various territories. That's how Halbritter got recognized. Halbritter got federally recognized at a time when nine condoled chiefs of the Oneida Nation existed. And yet Onondaga, solely and singularly, essentially went to bat for, for Ray Halbritter and two other guys who, who had died. And that's how Ray Halbritter got federally recognized. It's not unlike what has transpired in Cayuga territory. That's how Clint Halftown got federally recognized. Why, how? Because, because Onondaga said, well, well, he's the federal, you know, he's the, um, the Grand Council representative for the, uh, for the Cayugas. Why? Because Deuce Isaac has, has passed away. And of the old, of those people who had sat at Grand Council when I was younger, um, Clint Halftown was, was, was a young guy who was, who was sitting there. And so he became the, the federally recognized leader of the, of the Cuyuga Nation through some validation of Onondaga. But what Onondaga learned was that and they learned it through with Oneida, is, yeah, once you prop somebody up there and undermine the system of the, of the Guyana or Goa, or, or the, I mean, again, Onondaga completely undermined the fact that nine condoled chiefs existed. And in fact, it was the only complete council in, in the, uh, uh, in the, in the, uh, of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, the Oneidas. And yet they went to bat to, to assist Halbritter in getting federal recognition. So what did that mean? Well, what that meant was that Halbritter had the singular authority over Oneida, quote, unquote, unquote, Oneida, New York. He was able to do things like build a casino and, uh, and do, you know, uh, determine who gets benefits and who doesn't. He, he, he essentially can make decisions completely on his own. Land claims decisions. I mean, he settled, you know, a, a dispute over land claims where his casino sits and offered to pay... 25% of their, of their casino revenue, their, their slot revenue, one, and they had opened without that, by the way, but then agreed to pay 25%, so his land claims issues would be resolved. Now, the, the Oneida people never got to, uh, to, to participate in that decision. He was able to do it, and, and look, he was able to, to bulldoze homes, to push people off of territory, decide who can live where, and that kind of thing. He had that authority because of his federal recognition that Onondaga played a role. Now, Onondaga tried to remove him after that. And in fact, for a period of time, he was removed. And then the Bureau of Indian Affairs said, wait a minute, we, we can't create a void in traditional or, or in, in native um, tribal government. And that's what they said. We can't, it's against the law for us to create a void in tribal government. So they pulled his recognition and, and gave it right back. Well, and that's the situation that exists in Cuyuga territory. Clint Halftown was never elected he was never um, condoled as a chief of the Cayuga, of the, of the grand chief of the Cayuga Nation. There is much debate on, on what part of the clan system was really intact that would produce 
Clint Halftown as the, as the leader of the Cayugas. I mean, the whole thing has been a debacle. But most of it goes back to Onondaga validating this leadership, in spite of the fact that, look, there are, Cuga Nation is not just, well, I mean, Cuga Nation was, really wasn't a territory, you know, for a period of time. I mean, it was, but there were no Cugas living in their homeland. Many of the Cuga people um, became a bit of a disparate people. They were living in Cataraugus or Allegheny or Tuscarora, or they were living in, in the cities around, I mean, Rochester, Buffalo, Syracuse. They were living in Grand River. They were living in other native territories. And in fact, in Six Nations, there was a condoled Cayuga chief, and, and, I, and, and I don't mean he was the only one, but, but um, Jake Thomas was considered one of the foremost recognized leaders of the Haudenosaunee, even though he lived on Grand River and, and there was always this tension between the, uh, a Grand Council in Six Nations and a Grand Council in Onondaga. Jake Thomas was one of the, the, one of the most sought-after people for issues relating to language and culture and, and even songs. And, you know, and his institute is still one of the, I mean, that, that, ex, that still exists even though Jake has passed away, is, is still one of the, 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 the best resources for, uh, for our culture. But so that's the, the role that, that Grand River has played um, in, in some of this. And now I don't know who claims to be clan mothers or who is clan mothers claimed or otherwise in Grand River. I don't know who Onondaga claims to recognize as clan mothers on this side. And I don't even know why that's a debate between this side and that side of the, uh, of the imaginary line that white men drew between our territories. I don't, I don't even know why. But there is that tension that exists. So while Onondaga propped up um, Clint Halftown, and then, just like with Oneida, tried to remove him and say, no, we have a new guy, a new group now, the Bureau of Indian Affairs says, wait, wait a second now. We, what's the process? I mean, we don't have any reason to not recognize um, Clint Halfdown. So, but Onondaga and their, their lawyer, their white lawyer, Joe Heath, and with, with a, a strong participation from guys like Sid, uh, you know, Sid Hill, the, the guy sitting as the, the Taladaho, they did what they could to prop up a new group, a new council, as they, as they called it, uh, for the Bureau of Indian Affairs to recognize. So this contest played out between Clint Halfdown um, and, and, and more him than, than the group that he claims to be part of his council and this group that, um, that Onondaga was trying to push up. And Onondaga and Joe Heath failed. The group that was trying to claim, federal, trying to, to gain federal recognition failed to unseat Clint Halfdown. Right or wrong, I'm not, I'm not even debating. I'm, the whole process is wrong as far as I'm concerned. But I'm not debating whether they should have been able to displace them or not. But see, missing in a lot of this conversation is where are the Cuga people? I mean, look, this, this group that Onondaga was trying to prop up, that, that's a, only a handful of people. The, the group that is fighting Clint Halftown in the streets, literally, that's really a handful of people. And they've, they've garnered some support from, from their various communities. I've gone out there. I, and, and I tried to understand what was going on, and I tried to offer some advice on, on trying to get the people more involved. But 
both sides think they're right, or in, in some cases, three sides, because the group that Anadag was trying to prop up is not necessarily fully integrated with the group that has been fighting Clint Halftown. There's, there's, there's tensions between that two groups. I mean, they were paying, you know, guys like Sam George, who is who Onondaga claims is one of their, their chiefs, the chiefs for Cayugas that they recognize. I don't know if they were paying Carl Hill, but these guys managed to get really nice houses out of the group that was, that was uh, part of the descent from Clint Halftown. And they took over one of the Cayuga Nation stores or, or, or separated from Clint with the, and so you had tensions between, again, a money-making uh, operation. And you also had a, a bunch of people living in what were considered Cayuga Nation houses. And some of those were part of the dissident group fighting against Clint Halftown. So all of these tensions were existed. But at the end of the day, Clint had federal recognition. Now, what did that federal recognition mean? Well, just like with Oneida, it means they could build a police force. And they could put up a, a, hire a bunch of former state troopers or whatever else, people who we've never had very good relationships with, and put them and, and make them the Cayuga Nation police force. So Clint hired a bunch of white guys, a, a, gun, a bunch of trained white police officers to be his, his, his military force. He contracted with, and I don't know exactly where, but from uh, apparently when they when they apprehend somebody in Cayuga Nation, they whisk them off to um, to lock them up in Pennsylvania someplace. Now, is that legal? As far as the federal government is concerned, it is because Clint is federally recognized, and of course, and then the state they have to sit back because they have to rely on who the federal government deems as the leaders of the Cuyugas, no matter how many atrocities he commits against the people. And I mean, you know, some of it's physical, but some of it's like destroying buildings and, and, and places that, that, that people gathered. I mean, one was, was, was essentially built as a longhouse, although Onondaga claimed they couldn't call it a longhouse. Sid Hill said, no, you, you can't call it a longhouse because you, you don't have my blessing. Again, crazy crazy talk that, that came out of Onondaga relating to, to the Cuga Nation. You had some Cugas from, from Grand River um, who also tried to start a business. In fact, I, I think they, they and, I, and I, I could get some of this wrong, but from the way I understood it, they acquired, there was a group of Cuga Senecas from Kansas that were also trying to assert a presence in the homeland, and they were not received well by anybody, but in the end, you know, or by, by any of the, the so-called local Cugas. Um, but they took over a smoke shop that they had built and were running it. And this was, you know, a, a couple of guys, uh, Cugas, and, and I think with, with more ties to Grand River than to, than to the local area. Um, and then the Cuga Senecas turned around and sold that property to Clint Halftown. And so, you know, that turned into another fight over, over a business. You look, and this is all the reason I hate doing the Cayuga story, because it's a mess. And it's a mess that involves Onondaga trying to play kingmaker, failing miserably at it, the Bureau of Indian Affairs granting really excessive authority on leadership that has no checks and balances. They can do whatever, essentially they can do what they want within the framework that the federal government uh, allows them to operate. They can build a police force. They can arrest uh, and use force against, uh, against uh, Native people. 
I mean, so the fight in Cayuga is really between groups of Cayugas. But one group, <laughs> the Glen Halfdown group, hired a police force. And it's all, it's all white, physical police forces, uh, police officers, former police officers. So it's ugly. And, and, and so you got these white guys that are, that are essentially beating on, on Native people. Now, of course, the, the side that, that opposes Clint, they've hired people, too, from different territories, not necessarily just Cayugas. So it's, it's ugly on, on a bunch of different sides. But I can't help but get back to the question, where are the Cayuga people? Like I said, I, I know there are Cayugas that live in many places and not all around Seneca Falls. I would argue that, the, that, the, that most of the conflict that is happening in the Cayuga homelands is between a, you know, a relatively small group of Cayugas. I mean, there might be a dozen or so that are against Clint, and, and they're against Clint. Clint Halfdown, that is. And Clint probably only has a half dozen or a, or a dozen you know, Cayugas that he's built his, his government uh, out of, I guess. So it's, it's these two factions that are fighting while the vast majority of Cayugas are kind of sitting back. And you know what? Some of them get checks. They get checks from Clint Halfdown because he's got, he, he has control of all of the major businesses. I mean, just, just like in Oneida. In Oneida, Halbritter, once he was federally recognized, created a financial empire that he can buy silence from Oneidas. And he's paying a hell of a lot more than the Cayugas are. Than, than Clint Halfdown is. But, but Clint has managed to silence many of his critics because he sends food to, to some households. He sends checks to some households. So apparently today, perhaps even as I speak here, there, is, there, there was supposed to be a grand council that was happening in Onondaga. And part of that was, was born out of anger and frustration towards Onondaga and towards... Sid Hill, again, the guy who sits in that Taladahu position specifically. Now, I got to tell you, there's all kinds of problems with Sid Hill. For one thing, he sits as the, as the Taladahu or Onondaga. That's not an Onondaga chief. That is a confederacy title. His job is to restore peace when, when there's any disturbance in the confederacy, something that he's failed miserably in doing, especially as it relates to Cayuga, but in other places as well but instead has served as the grand chief of Onondaga. He is the federally recognized leader of Onondaga. And although he shouldn't be, because he's not an Onondaga chief title. It, and that is a confederacy title. That, that is a position that is specifically geared towards the Haudenosaunee under the, under the Guyana Lagoa. That title doesn't have a clan mother. That title doesn't have a clan. Because it's all of ours. And, and in fact, some would argue, my good friend Ed Chindler would argue, that the Taladaho also speaks for creation, not just for, not just for individual clans, not for the, the individual Native person. So, I mean, there's, that's a title that is shared. But there's been a lot of criticism, because as of, even recently, there was some event out in uh, Grand River, Oswego, or Six Nations, depending on what you, whatever you want to call it, where they were doing some... Um, some workshop on, on wampum and, and Sid was there and he was criticized. Like, why aren't you dealing with the Cayuga situation? Why are you gallivanting? You know, you, you, you want to go sit with the Pope and you want to do all of this other stuff, but you're not doing your job. 
So there was a lot of criticism. And from what I understand, part of the reason that this grand council is taking place now in Onondaga, and I suspect there were going to be some, you know, there were going to be people coming from all over the Confederacy, including from Grand River to Onondaga to address the Cayuga situation. Now, here's the problem. Can they really address the Cayuga situation without the Cayuga people? Because I know there's going to be people, be people that are saying, well, I'm, I'm a chief. I'm a clan mother. I come from this family. I come from this. Yeah, but what do the vast majority of Cayugas want? I mean, look, I'm an advocate for a return to governance that operates under the, the, the specific processes of the Guyana But I also have to be a realist and say that doesn't exist anywhere. I mean, they started doing these, these, these great law readings, but they have or recitals, but they haven't really done them in a way that the purpose of doing these great, great law recitals, these Guyana Lagoa recitals, was to remind people how, how it works. But it never gets to that point. It's always like, oh, the peacemaker story. And, and so it ends up being more of a legend and a, and, a, and, a, and a story of the past rather than, well, here's how the clan system works. And I would argue that we haven't had a functioning clan system in many, many, many years. Because our own people, our own men, and frankly women, bought into this male-dominant culture that the white man brought. So it was all about the chiefs and a lot less about the clan mothers. And, and it shouldn't have been about the chiefs or the clan mothers, it should have been about the people. The these titles, <laughs> these Rodeo Nessu and, and, these, and, these, and these clan mothers, they have a responsibility to gather the voices of the people, not to speak for them, not to rule over them. But again, this is where, where we've lost our way. We understand, look, there are plenty of people who know it. Jake Thomas, and, and I, I wish he was still here, but he was one of the people who knew the processes. But he also had to recognize that the processes weren't being followed. That's why we got banned councils in all of our territories. We got elected councils in all of our territories. Or, and in the territories that we don't, we have federally recognized leaders. And that fed rec is really meant to destroy Guyana It really is. Because, look, when you grant authority to an individual and you want to play ignorant to the process, you're just waiting for it to fail. Look, there are certain people who love what's happening in Cayuga territory. Look, the Cayugas were were actually um, gaining success. They, they were reacquiring lands it, within their own territory. They were buying their lands back for all intents and purposes. I mean, I, I went out there when the white people were pissed that the Cayugas were returning to the homelands. And they, look, they did a big, uh, they did this whole caravan of people going by their, their businesses. And, and I stood there with the Cayugas. A bunch of us did. We came from all over. Mohawk territory, Onondaga. Uh, Seneca territory, we were, we were there from all over to support the Cayuga people reclaiming their lands and reasserting themselves there. And look, we were optimistic. Look, just like I was optimistic when, when, when I really understood that, that the Oneidas had the only complete council, I was, I was uh, only to be undermined by Onondaga. We were optimistic when the Cayugas were actually starting to build, rebuild. And I think many of the Cugas were. And, and probably for the first time, 
many Cayuga people started see, seeing some better, even the ones who didn't move there. Because, I mean, obviously not everybody could move back to, to the Seneca Falls area. So you had some that were participating and, and, and some that moved there. And, and, of course, that's when the tension starts. Because, frankly, Clint didn't have to be, Clint Halftown didn't have to be answerable to anybody. He had federal recognition. And so when it got challenged, and then and it was almost put on hold for a while, <laughs> but then when it was reaffirmed, it made him even more authoritarian. I'm not going to defend Clint Halftown or those people who have been aligned with him. And I wish I could just say they're the bad guys and, and, and these guys challenging them are the good guys, but it's not that simple. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of Cayuga people who will accept their food basket, who will accept a check, however menial it might be. I don't, know, I don't even know what it is. But it's enough to keep them on the sidelines. I mean, and, it, and again, the same thing happened in Oneida. And in Oneida, look, Harvard built an empire. And he could decide, you know, who was a good Oneida and who was a bad Oneida. He could decide who worked and who didn't work, who was allowed to go where. And he could, and he could cut checks, had all kinds of programs to put money in, in, in the hands of Oneidas. Why? Because that bought his support. And like I said, I don't know what, what Clint Halftown's Cayuga Nation government is doing for the people. But whatever, whatever the case may be, there are, there's an awful lot of silence. And, and, you know, and it may not be silence, because I've heard a lot of criticism. I think the overwhelming majority of Cuba people don't care for the leadership that, that, uh, that Glenn Halfdown is providing. But that doesn't mean they're willing to show up. And I'm not saying that they should have a referendum, but at some, at, at some level, and, and again, this, I, I go back to this grand council that may or may not be happening as, I, as we speak. They can't solve the problem. Onondaga can't do it, Grand River can't do it, and the Bureau of Indian Affairs, they don't even want to do it. The Cuga people are the ones that have to be canvassed in some way. So whether you can reassemble the clans and do it clan by clan, or whether you have to do it as an overall population. Again, I'm not a fan of elections or referendum, but you know what? The Cuga people should have a right to decide what the government is that they want to operate under. Is it going to be Guyana Nagoa? Is it going to be, oh, no, we're just going to allow Onondaga to decide who is qualified to be chiefs? Because that's kind of what, what the alternative to Clint has been. I'm not going to, look, I don't want to criticize those people who were necessarily opposing Clint. But there was a lot of, there was some shady stuff on that side of the ledger, too including some people who walked away with money, houses being built for individuals, and I mean nice houses being built for, for people claiming to be chiefs. Not everybody was living in these laps of luxury. And so when Clint goes in and just starts destroying perfectly good buildings because he, he doesn't really have the moral authority from the Cuga people to, to really uh, remove people, he has to hire a bunch of white guys to do it. I mean, it, it, it's thuggery. It's the same thing. Look, we can go all the way back to the goon squad, you know, of um, Wilson back in, in, in uh, Pine Ridge. 
I mean, we can go all the way back to, you know, to time and time again that the federal government has backed authoritarian leaders throughout the world, not just in native territories, but throughout the world. And that's what we have right now. You know, look, the reason I, I struggle with the Cayuga situation is because I know that there's, it's, it's, it's families fighting each other. It's, it's native versus native. Look, I would love to take on the Bureau of Indian Affairs, but not because I want to prop up somebody else for them to, to recognize. Because I know some of the people who are now the most abused, being, being abused by Clint Halftown, they would do the same thing to him in a heartbeat. And maybe justifiably so. I'm not even making a judgment about that. But this is what, this has been the experience. And look, let's be clear. The idea of, of destroying businesses, Onondaga was, was guilty of that before, you know, before anybody. They, they went through and they bulldozed you know, uh, perfectly legitimate operating businesses. They took away the livelihoods of, of people who built it on their own dime. They didn't, these weren't people who took over a nation's store. Onondaga brought police in to beat people and arrest people who opposed them. So what Clint Halftown is doing is not just what Halbritter has done, but it's what Onondaga has done. And we can't get away from any of that. So when I see history repeat itself over and over again, that's where my frustration goes. Look, and there's no question in my mind that the ultimate thug or villain in this thing is the federal government and their state lackeys. I mean, good look, when the, when the state police or the sheriff's departments of these counties, they said, well, well the federal government told us who the, these guys are the federally recognized leaders, so we got to, you know, we got to answer to them. So, I mean, in Onondaga, they didn't create a police force. No, they used, the, they used the state police. And when they lined up to come beat a bunch of people along Interstate 81, they said, let's kick some ass. And they did. They knocked over women and baby carriages, elderly. I mean, they didn't care. And they did it on, on the behalf of Onondaga chiefs, the same ones that bulldozed buildings, you know, years prior. So. What Clint Halftown is doing is something that has been condoned by the very people who are opposing him, meaning Onondaga. And, and it was wrong. It's wrong no matter who does it. It's not just wrong if Clint Halftown does it or, or if Halbert does it, but it's okay if Onondaga does it. No, it's wrong. That's not what our process is. Our, the Guyana Goa is a process of peace. It is meant to preserve peace. It's not the great law of peace, but it's the, it, it's, it's the great good way. It's the way forward. There's nothing in the, in the, in the Guyana Goa that says we, we destroy each other. I mean, there, there are punishments for, for people who commit treason, but who gets to decide that? When you have chaos like this, is Clint Halftown committing treason? Well, there's some that claims that he is, but Clint Halftown is claiming that these people who took over these buildings and are unlawfully occupying them, that they're committing treason too. Uh, and I'm not making it. I look, I have a lot of problems with what Halftown is doing. But if the Cayuga people, if 
if there's a, enough Cuyuga people who support him, then the process has to be developed to bring peace to these, to these warring factions. Otherwise, we just sit back, and, and I'm as guilty of any, as, as anybody, sit back and wait, wait for them to continue fighting it out. But at the end of the day, it's police officers. Clint Halfdown's police officers. And they got the backing of, of the sheriffs and that kind of stuff. I mean, even if they do it begrudgingly. I mean, nobody is stopping Clint Halftown's police force from doing, from doing what it's doing. They are answerable to Clint. Look, the, the Cayuga story is ugly. And I and I look, I, I've done shows on this before. And I know when people ask me to cover it, I always gotta say, be careful what you wish for, because I can't. I'm, I'm not saying there's not good people. And, there, and, and again, I don't want to use the term. I'm not saying they're not good people on both sides. I don't know. But there's also people who are terribly angry, violently angry on both sides. And, and look, they're, they're bringing in people. I mean, I've got, I've got friends who have gone there and some who are friends and some who are just acquaintances. Who are who are being physically abused? But if you're if you somebody offers you seventy or eighty dollars a day to go there and be security, I asked a question a couple of years ago. Wait, what are you, what are you securing and who are you securing it from? Because at the end of the day, I mean, if you have a security force and then uh, Clint Halftown's police force comes in with with weapons and and all kinds of you know. Um, you know, tools to subdue you. I mean, I can't advocate that people necessarily violently resist. I mean, somebody's going to get killed. I mean, it's, it's really fortunate that nobody's been killed thus far. And look, I'm not telling people to run away from Cayuga territory. But those who are there without a plan are really putting themselves in harm's way. And Clint has no problem committing harm against them. This isn't an attack by an outside force going into a peaceful community and, and harassing innocent, uh, innocent people. And I'm, I, I, it, isn't, it isn't quite that way. It, it, it appears that way, and on some level it may be part, that may be partially true. But Clint Halftown is the federally recognized leader of the Cayuga Nation. And he's having a hard time wielding the authority over those people who oppose him. And you know what? The same group of, of Cayugas who sit back on the sidelines, they aren't rushing to defend Clint either. But nor are they going rushing to take him out either. So while the vast majority of Cayugas sit on the sideline, and some of them have strong opinions, and, and again, from what I can garner as, as an opinion, <laughs> I think most people don't support Clint Halftown. But they aren't prepared to do anything to take his leadership away. And there is no process. I mean, there is no referendum. There's no petition to sign. I mean, and, and not all of these people are necessarily longhouse. Look, a lot of Cuyugas are, are, are Mormons and and. And, and that became a bit of, a, of, a, an, of an entanglement because of people who were being put up as 
you know, counselors, you know, if not chiefs, but uh, part of a men's council. So it's convoluted and it's complicated. I mean, if, if all the Cuga people were, 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 were longhouse, as opposed to having other forces, whether it's their, their religious beliefs or, or other alignments that, that pulled them in different directions, then it, look, it would be easy if, if everybody was, was committed to Diana de Goa and Haudenosaunee, but it's, it's more complicated than that. Like I said, I'm not a fan of election-style tribal governance, but at some point, somehow, the Cayuga people have to decide what is the process that they're going to use. I mean, I I'd love to see them. I, I would love to see knowledgeable people, influential people, help the Cayuga people reassemble their clans and let them be the model for all of us. Because it ain't working anywhere else. It ain't happening in Onondaga. It ain't happening in Tuscarora. It ain't happening in, in, in Tonawanda. It damn sure isn't happening in Oneida. But can it be fixed? Sure, anything, buddy. I mean, of course, the other alternative is waiting it out and see when bad leadership dies. But that's tough. I mean, every step along the way, children should be taught. And, they, and part of what they can be taught is what is wrong with the current system or lack of system. Because, man, I got to hope that the children can do better than we're doing. But we also can't infect our children with the, with the level of hatred that is now existing in, in too many of our communities. Look, we're seeing, we're seeing a rise in violence on our territory. Look, and, and, it, and obviously... We've seen, you know, over, you know, um, overdose deaths. We know that drugs are a problem in some territories. We, we've got this mass killing that took place out in Saskatchewan in Cree territory. And that's probably drug and gang related. We had a shooting last night right, right near where I live up in, uh, you know, up in what is called Indian Hill in, in Cattaraugus. And that, you know, allegedly is drug related. Cayuga, the conflict in Cayuga actually had some people being shot with shotguns, and, and so it was more pellets. And that wasn't even the opposition against Clinton. It was, um, it was, it, it was, that was shooting amongst themselves. The Cayuga situation is, is really, really ugly right now. And I don't know that a grand council is going to fix it because... As I said before, at some point, the Cayuga people have to be brought, in, be brought in, in a large enough number. And forget about federal recognition. I'm not saying in a large enough number to convince the Bureau of Indian Affairs to do anything. In fact, I, you know, I've always taken the position is the, is, the, is the BIA should stay the hell off of our territories. And they should not be involved in the process. Now, no, that's problematic because even Onondaga gets federal funding and all of these so-called traditional governments, they got their hand out. So how can they get federal funding if they're not federally recognized? And therein lies part of the problem. Because we are not being recognized as a distinct, sovereign, autonomous people. 
not by the federal government and not by the state government. And frankly, I'm not sure that we're recognizing ourselves as that. We were, were cast as the domestic dependent nations by the, you know, by the Supreme Court. And too many of us have accepted that designation. Not all of us, but too many of us. And most governments, tribal governments, and I, and I say tribal, when I say tribal, I mean it to be derogatory because I think that word is terrible. But most tribal governments are primitive. They are backwards. They, and, and they don't represent who we are. And I mean that both in what those who, who allegedly claim to be operating, you know, uh, traditional government and those who, that have elected governments like band councils and tribal councils. We've got a lot of work to do. But at the end of the day, there is such an emphasis on government and leadership that we don't even operate within our communities in the way that we could. Our, look, we don't need to overtake most governments. We can, we can govern within our, within our families and within our clans. We can do that. But there's an emphasis on these titles, these federally recognized titles, whether it's president or chairman or chief, elected chief or traditional chief. I mean, we have allowed both the Canadian and federal government to be our lords and masters, and we've allowed them, oftentimes, we've allowed them to, to choose and select who the leadership is. I mean, that's what, that's what the situation in Cayuga is. That's the situation in Oneida. I mean, the people didn't select. Ray Halberter got, got his federal recognition because Onondaga claimed that he was allowed to sit there back in the 70s uh, to, to sit in Grand Council when there was nine condoled chiefs. Onondaga went to bat for, for Halbert to get recognized. So th this is the mess that we have. Look, I hope a couple of things come out of a Grand Council today. Frankly, I think Sid Hill should be removed. I think he has failed in that title over and over and over again. I think Onondaga needs to be reprimanded by falsely representing themselves as the Confederacy. But you know what? The Six Nations have to, they have to make sure that they are both dealing with their people and fulfilling their, their roles as, their, as these Lurianesu or clan mothers to make sure that when a grand council does happen, that they take the problem, the question, back to the people, and the answers come back to council. That's the way it's supposed to be. But man, I haven't seen it operate like that. When I first sat at a grand council, I was in my 20s. I'm in my 60s now. And I've seen nothing but tumult and chaos come out of these longhouses. And, and, and that's frustrating. The ceremonies are nice. I've been to... To weddings, and I've been to funerals, and I've been to, you know, all of the the Thanksgivings. They're nice, but I mean, it's like we've separated, like we pulled apart the wampums that that bind us as a people. We pulled apart our culture from governance.
And, and I've heard people say that in, in many communities. Oh, well, well we're, not, we're not really political here. Well, how can you not be? By not being political, you're being political. So, look, I know I didn't provide a whole lot of answers, but let me say one thing, and, and let me be clear. There is abuse happening in Cayuga territory, and Clinton Halftown is, by and large, the, primarily responsible for it. And, you know, and, and his entourage, I mean, includes his mother and, and other people that are close to him. Because they aren't trying to do this thing peacefully either. The, in our culture, those titles are supposed to be servants of the people, not leaders and rulers of the people. There is no authority that comes with those positions. Only responsibility. And that's not working. We're not seeing responsibility out of any of these people. And we're not seeing it out of Onondaga. And we're not seeing it out of Onondaga's lawyer, who claims to be the Confederacy lawyer. And, and, and I guess to back up, if you're wondering, well, how did Clint Halftown fall out of favor with, with Onondaga? I'll tell you how. He started working with Halbert, or the other guy that they propped up and, and fell out of favor with. He started making his cigarette deals with Oneida. With, with Ray Halberd. In fact, one of the people who, were, who came out to operate the Cayuga's cigarette business was hired, again, non-native guy, hired from, uh, from Halberd. I mean, so, look, the, the path of this thing is really, really clear. The problem is when you're in it, when you're being victimized by an abuse of authority, authority does not come from the people, but comes from the federal government, it's hard, to, it's hard to recount the history. It's hard to understand how this has played out multiple times now. But like I said, we've seen this abuse of authority in Oneida. We've seen it in Onondaga. And we're seeing it now in Cayuga Territory. So there does need to be some house cleaning. But it's part of the reason that, look, I... <laughs> The purpose of this show is to take on the oppression from the outside. I try not to spend a great deal of time criticizing other Native people, but I, you know, I can't not do that. I have to criticize. I mean, I have to call out Oneida and Onondaga, and in, in this situation, Cayugas. Uh, but at the end of the day, <laughs> enough Onondaga people could fix Onondaga. Enough Oneida people could fix Oneida. And enough Cayuga people could fix Cayuga. But it's easier to sit back. Part of the reason even our chiefs, those Lurianesu, the part of the, the reason that they, they were able to, to become as corrupt as they were, and I mean historically, look, we've lost land, we've lost all kinds of stuff, was because people sat back. And they said, well, that's their, their job. So it's a two-way street. If you don't give authority, then that authority can't be abused. But if you don't fulfill your, your responsibility as, as an individual, as a, as a human being, as a man or a woman within your community, then you're giving that authority to somebody else, both to wield and abuse. Because the authority is supposed to be rest with the people. That's what our culture is. 
That's what Guyana Lagoa is. It's not a chief system. And it's a clan system because what the clans are, are that's our families. It is, a, it is a process by which within our families, we make decisions that, that go step by step from community to community to nation building to confederacy building. It's a slow process, but it is a process that served us for thousands of years until white people showed up. Now it's been completely undermined. And, and again, I attribute the bulk of the problems that exist on our territories, you know, and not just, I'm not just picking on Onondaga and Oneida and Cayuga, but on many of our territories, is the, is the federal government, the outside. They create the problems that, they create the tensions that we fight against when it's them, but they also try to suck some of our people in by, by granting authority. Because it's easier for the state and the federal government to have a native person be the bad guy in a, in a native community than, than us, that, or than them, I mean. I mean, the Bureau of Indian Affairs doesn't want to come in and rule Cayuga territory. But look at, what, look at the authority that, that the Cayuga people have given them by sitting back and let this, this federal recognition process play out. And they believed that Joe Heath, Onondaga's lawyer, was going to be successful at, at, at removing Clint Halftown and putting up their, you know, their group of counselors. Just like they believed they, once they, they put Halbritter in, they could take him out. Well, they couldn't. It doesn't work that way. We should never be pursuing the Bureau of Indian Affairs to, to grant authority to our, our quote-unquote leaders. That, there's the problem. I mean, I think it's fine to let the Bureau of Indian Affairs know this is, our pro this is, this is who, who leads us. But if you're going to make a contest out of it, if you're going to try to submit all of your documents and the abuses and, and you know, lay all your complaints and all this other stuff at the feet of the Bureau of Interest. No, I want you to make a ruling. Who, who's the good guy? Who, who's the leader? Who's not the leader? Because that's what's played out in Oneida and in, in Cuga territory. And you know what? Once the Bureau of Interest makes that determination, the people back off. And they, and they, and they let it continue. We've seen it over and over again. Across Native territories across the country have seen it over and over again. I hope the one thing that comes out of this Grand Council is, you know, well, I just said a couple of things. I hope Onondaga is put, is put on notice. But I hope the real effort that comes out of a Grand Council, or, or however it happens, the real effort is to get the Cayuga people engaged in this process, or in a process. Maybe they, dis maybe they don't want to operate under Guyana de Goa. Maybe they do want to have an elective system. I'm not a fan of it, but that might be what the, the Cuga people want. But we don't even know. And I guarantee the federal government's gonna say, oh yeah, we want, we want, you, to, we, we want you to structure your, yourselves like, like we are. So they, they want an elected system. But look, elected systems can be just as corrupt. Well, let me, let me back that up. Traditional systems can be corrupted to where they aren't traditional systems anymore. 
When I hear people talk about the chief system, to me, that's that's an, an aberration. That's that's an abomination. We didn't have men ruling our territories. We had the people. These men and women who who sat in those titles, their their jobs were to bring our people together, was to, were to gather the minds of our people, not speak for us. So that's my show in the Cuga mess. And, you know, and it all comes down to Fed rec. Do I, did I solve any problems here? I doubt it. But, you know, I get, I get the calls and, and I get the criticisms. I get told I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I've seen it. I've seen it play out in other territories. And I'm seeing it play out in Cuga territory. So, I want to thank you for listening. Um, look, as the, this show is posted, both as, as a Facebook live stream and as, as, as a podcast, look, please engage me. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. You know, tell me what the solution is. And then, you know what? Don't even, you don't even have to tell me, but, but work it out. Figure it out. I mean, you can insult me, and, and I've already received a few. <laughs> But work it out. And, man, I wish the best for the Cuba people. Because that's not what they have here. I'm John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. No way.